this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris. His name is Hayden Winks on the road. We're doing it, Hayden. It feels like we could delay this show another 15 minutes, 15 hours even, and we'll get slate changing news. I think we are all up to date here on the 15 games remaining on the schedule and i can't wait to lay it out who's in and who's out who's playing who's not with you today how you doing i'm doing good since my mic's been the covid protocols over the last five minutes we've added gabe davis and lavisca chenault to the covid list so yeah this is why we had to kind of delay the show it makes it makes sense otherwise we'd be missing all the important news and again we're here in week 16 i continue to learn things about hayden winks just learned that he has not turned off or restarted his computer in five days since the last show and uh, that was the root of this problem. So again, I'm glad I continue to learn things about my, my coworker and most importantly, friend Hayden. And before we move on, and by the way, throughout this entire show, I'm going to do my best layout information. Hayden's going to keep me honest and you know tie up loose ends that I might leave off for each of these contests. But another area that is improving as we go on, yes, it's underdog. We are here with Hayden. The odds boosts. The odds boosts. So we know you love pick'em. The perfect time to get distracted from your significant others, from your families, avoid those second cousins once removed that you don't want to talk to. It's to play pick'em, and we've got you covered here. So Josh Allen, if you take his total yards this week in a pick five, those odds get boosted from 20x. 250x. Any thoughts here? Immediate hate. Yeah, you have to do that. Like, I don't know. (laughs) I'm a little worried we're going to go bankrupt here if if people start hitting this. So yeah, I would highly recommend taking advantage of this. Uh, Referral bonus is up again, too. So, I mean, literally, like, there's never been a better time to have the underdog app than right now. We have NFL playoff best ball, the best fantasy game. We have all these ridiculous odds boost and referral bonuses and matching your deposits. My bank account is just completely empty because of this. So please take advantage while you can. (laughs) The fine print here, the max you can enter is $10 into this. But if that hits, and we aren't telling you if you have to pick the over or the under, it's just including Josh Allen in your pick five. Again, that 10 bucks can turn into 500 here during this holiday weekend for week 16. Now, it has to be a pick five. So... What you might want to do is avoid players that right now are on the COVID list and maybe even the ones that are playing for certain on Saturday or wait to do this on Sunday morning if you want to because you can only use this odds boost once. It is only good for one time. Again, Josh Allen, total yards over or under in your pick five slip, and that gets boosted from 20X to 50X with a $10 at most entry and all of that. Okay, fine print out of the way. I think we have covered it. I can't wait to do that. Hopefully all of you hit it with me this weekend. We had two Saturday games, obviously, on Christmas. Why wouldn't the NFL take advantage of everyone being around the television? And we start off with the Cleveland Browns and the Green Bay Packers. With the Packers, seven and a half point favorites, a total of 45 and a half. Just like last weekend, so often we need to start with these games on who's in and who's out. J.C. Treader, Greg Newsom, out for the Cleveland Browns. John Johnson, not because of COVID, but out. 
Miles Garrett is questionable with a groin injury. I know head coach Baker Mayfield, Hayden, is optimistic that Baker Mayfield is going to be back here from the COVID list. They're taking separate planes on Saturday to get to this game. MVS on the Packers end is also out. So the Browns have scored 17 points or fewer in seven, seven of their last nine games. Packers right now, number one seed Hayden. And that's why they're seven and a half point favorites. You got to like the Packers side for this one, just because of how deep the, the pack or the Browns, COVID protocols are. The other guys, we have Jadavion Clowney on the COVID list. Tack McKinley just tore his Achilles. So if Miles Garrett doesn't play, or if he played like he did last week, where I mean, he was trying to rush the, the passer, and like credit to him for doing that, that was not the same Miles Garrett. And I don't think you just like play through a groin injury. Like that's something that you could either do it or you can't. And it seemed like he couldn't last week. John Johnson's massive. Greg Newsom, their, their cornerback too, that's massive. Slot cornerback Troy Hill, that's massive. And then you have the offensive line issues for the Browns, too. And this is assuming that Baker Mayfield is even eligible to play. He's going to have to take a separate plane in. So the Packers right now are just way healthier than the Browns, which is crazy because they also have a bunch of their own injuries. But right now, Devontae Adams, uh, Alan Lazard, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, plus Aaron Rodgers, who's been playing like the best player in the NFL for over a month now, you have to like their chances here. If everything was perfect and everything was equal, you would think the Browns' path to victory would be rushing the heck out of Aaron Rodgers with the hurt offensive lineman that the Packers have. But you mentioned Clowney. We mentioned Miles Garrett. It's just not as easy as it potentially was. And then it's also that Aaron Rodgers isn't immortal in comparing him to the other quarterbacks around the league. Like it is so difficult to nail him down on every single third and long or every single third and short or every single second and eternity situation because he's able to get the ball out so quickly. He's able to move the pocket when he can. And he's been masking the flaws all around him in terms of the offensive lineman all season. And this team is far more balanced than they've been at points over, over the last two seasons. I do think that like how narrow the the want and ability of the Browns is this year, it's going to go through Nick Chubb. It's going to go through Dearness Johnson. And so much of that is about the offensive line health. And like, if they can establish that early and have success on it early, I could see them covering the seven and a half, but the Packers are just a better team from top to bottom. And they might even be the best team in the league when we get here from two or three weeks from now. So let's break down some of the fantasy players, AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones. I have Aaron Jones ranked slightly ahead of AJ Dillon, but they're both more in like that low end RB two mix. They both have plenty of a ceiling, but they've been rotating these guys pretty much 50, 50 where AJ Dillon's getting more of the inside the five looks. Obviously Aaron Jones is getting most of the reception. So I think that bo both of them are more boom bust RB twos. And this could be a matchup just because how depleted uh, the Browns are. I'm like Malik Jackson and some of these other people are not even practicing either. So this is like players. even deeper yep. than that too. So I think that this is a week to get all of them in. I'm going to also definitely include Alan Lazard. He's the wide receiver 33 in fantasy usage over the last month. I have him ranked pretty aggressively as my wide receiver 28, just because of these injuries and they have to throw the ball to somebody else. I think Alan Lazard is actually a pretty decent player. Um, and he's going to have ob obviously a very friendly matchup. You have to assume that Denzel Ward, is going to be getting Devontae Adams. And Devontae Adams has clearly beat that. But the the depth issues at the, the cornerback spot for the Browns against Alan Lazard, I think that he is like, I would say, the 
fantasy wide receiver streamer of the week. If you're looking for a spot, you just added somebody to the COVID list. I think Alan Lazard's your guy. Yeah, and, and no one's going to cover Devontae Adams, how the Ravens did that in, in week 15. And we've seen MVS, who again is out, but threaten teams vertically with his speed, but then also be really reliable in tight window throws that Aaron Rodgers is making. Aaron can make those to just about anyone. So this is a great, great opportunity here for Lazard. We mentioned a lot on the Browns defense, but offensively they do get Jarvis Landry back. Um, Baker Mayfield, hopefully back. This is again, an offense that scored 17 points or fewer in seven of their last nine games. I don't want to put that on the play caller necessarily, but like how they are built and how they've been failing to overcome injuries in terms of putting up points in a league where it matters to put up points in a league. Uh, they failed that they have failed that so far again in these last nine contests. I think that's basically a talent thing, and that starts at the quarterback position. Yes. Um, I think that their one outcome that they're going to be looking for is Nick Chubb. Obviously, he's been kind of hit and miss just because of how bad the environment has been. But in the last two games, 15.4 expected fantasy points, 14.8 expected half PPR points. And the Packers are 30th in rush defense success rate. Uh, this season. So I think that there is an opportunity. Teams have been able to run on the Packers. Obviously, this will not be easy with Jack Conklin on uh, injured reserve, JC Treader um, on the COVID list. They're hoping to get Jedrick Wills back, but we'll see about all that stuff. So I think that they can do it. I think that that's what they're going to do. And that's going to make Jarvis Landry basically the only other option. All that tight ends are going to cannibalize each other. You can't play Donovan Peoples-Jones. You can't play Baker Mayfield. To me, this is Jarvis Landry. You're hoping to get a wide receiver three week out of him and then just a big, big Nick Chubb game. And he's just going to have to basically do it himself against a backup offensive line. I think all the listeners have noticed that Case Keenum has stolen your full Chubb bit. Uh, I wish I wish the original creator got the credit for that. Uh, yeah, right. Packers have won 11 straight regular season home games there. Next up, a great Saturday night, Christmas night game. Indianapolis Colts on the road against the Arizona Cardinals, who last time I checked were one-point favorites in this game, a total of 49. Again, we'll start with the COVID list. Mark Lewinsky, right guard or left guard for the Indianapolis Colts, out of here. Rocky Sin, I believe their slot corner. No, their outside corner at times this season, also been out. Ryan Kelly is out with an awful reason. I mean, he had a, a newborn child pass away this week, so he's been missing multiple games because of that. On Arizona's end, Rondell Moore is questionable. James Conner is questionable as well. The Colts have won each of their last three road games. They've scored 30-plus points in each of those contests, Hayden. Again, you talk about identity. You talk about ways teams can win. The Colts have figured theirs out. The only question is in, like, week in and week out, how high can their ceiling be if their quarterback is going to make a mistake and if the offensive coordinator and play caller is going to trust him or if he plays, like, mistake-free football, and then boom, the the passing game and the running game can go off. Yeah, I like the Colts' chances just moving the ball in general. A lot of times, Carson Wentz and Michael Pittman in fantasy just get left behind because the Colts are up, and when they have established a lead, all of a sudden they get no passing volume. I don't think that's going to be the case here. It's basically a pick game in Arizona, and the Colts are 23rd in rushing EPA defense. They have been prone to giving up some big plays. So obviously you got to like what Jonathan Taylor can do here. You're clearly starting him as the best fantasy asset next to Cooper cup. But I think that Michael Pittman, this is a spot to get him in the lineup just because this game should be close. We know how much pace the Cardinals play with on offense. 
and Robert Alford is on injured reserve. Right now, it's it's they've they've moved Byron Murphy to the outside. Marco Wilson, who is somebody that's been being picked on, he's had the uh, fourth highest NFL passer rating allowed in coverage this year. This is a week to, for a big bounce back week for Michael Pittman, who's been getting the usage on a per snap basis, but they just don't drop back enough. But I think that this is a situation where, like all of a sudden, this. This Cardinals team's taken on water with a lot of their injuries. Yeah. Like even on the offensive side, it's not even just DeAndre Hopkins. Rodney Hudson's on the COVID list, and Kyler Murray's yards per attempt drops from seven point four down to six point four without Rodney Hudson. So like all of a sudden, it's like multiple key pieces: corner, edge, center, wide receiver. Like at some point, like that's why the spread has all of a sudden, all of a sudden, been dropped to basically a pick them, even though the Cardinals are at home here. Mentioned Michael Pittman, his over under and receiving yards on Pickham this weekend. If you want to couple that with the odds boost with Josh Allen at 61 and a half receiving yards, but I can kind of paint the narrative for them to win by 10 points and him not even having to get up to 61 and a half receiving yards, even though he's such an X factor for them at times. And it's because the run fits we've talked about it for the Cardinals all season long have, have like been abysmal. Like we, we called it out because Deontay Lee of PFF called it out prior to them playing James Robinson and the Jacksonville Jaguars. And that was like the first game all season that James Robinson did anything. They, they just have a lot of issues at times against well-blocked offensive lines and a great running game that can break long, long explosive plays. And we know that the Colts are among, if not the best at that in the NFL. A couple things. Colts defense leads the NFL in turnover-worthy plays. The Cardinals have had insane turnover luck this season. They have 26 fumbles this year, most in the NFL, and only three of those fumbles have been lost. Only three have been lost. Again, we know the Colts lead the NFL in takeaways. So which side is the regression going to hit here? Hey, is it going to hit for the Colts and how it's so fickle with turnovers and they can't create two or three or four in every single contest? Or is it going to hit for the Cardinals where they're finally going to cough up and give up some of, some of those fumbles here? Yeah, it's probably going to be somewhere right in the middle of that. I don't really like following turnovers, especially the fumbles, and especially when it's not quarterback fumbles, like when it's just like a running back fumbling. Like those things are just so fickle, so I don't really right. like following that. I do like following the usage last week for Christian Kirk, though. He had 17 expected half PPR points in the, the game without DeAndre Hopkins. He's clearly the number one. It sounds like Rondell Moore is not going to play through his injury. James Conner didn't practice the entire week. It's a heel injury. It's not even his ankle injury. That's the primary concern. He said he's confident that he's going to play, but usually I like to follow the practice reports. I think at best, he's probably questionable. And if he misses, Chase Edmonds, somebody that you have to keep in the lineup, he's going to have a huge workload. Maybe not the James Conner workload, but then this offense is looking for playmakers. If Rondell Moore's not out there, no DeAndre Hopkins. They're going to pass the ball to Chase Edmonds plenty. So I think that he'd be somebody that we have to keep in mind. And then I think that it's still A.J. Green over Antoine Wesley, but Wesley is out there running a ton of routes. I just don't think he's very good, and he's not going to earn that many targets. That's why I'm so high on Christian Kirk in general here. But this is going to be – Kyler just has to play better. Like, Kyler last yeah. week did not play very well. And obviously his surroundings, like, caving in on him. But he missed so many throws over the middle, and I think that's a – Probably his biggest concern as a player is just taking the underneath pass, like the not a designed underneath pass, like hitting the check down over the middle. It's kind of a Russell Wilson problem as well. Um, you kind of see those in glimpses. So hopefully just Kyler puts the team on his back as he's been doing the entire season 
but it's it's about as difficult as it's been for him this entire year right now. Yeah, quick reset on the Cardinals because it wasn't just last week. It was the week before against the Rams, I believe, right? Where like this Cardinals team just hasn't hasn't felt right for a while. And you can tell me if you think that this is stupid, but I don't think as much as people view him as a superstar, it's as much about the loss as DeAndre Hopkins versus maybe the loss of Rodney Hudson. I mean, Rodney Hudson, how he is able to get the correct blocking schemes, both in the running game and then sliding protections in the passing game is so critical. And if you go back and watch that game against the Lions when they you know, put six or seven bodies along the line of scrimmage and then a free rusher is coming every single time, maybe because of his injuries this year, Kyler just isn't as able to avoid that free rusher as he has been at points when we considered him an MVP candidate. And I, I just... When they're at their best, and we said this so much about the Cardinals this season, they're one of the top five, heck, even top three offenses that I want to watch. And now that we are three weeks away from the playoffs, I feel like they're spiraling a little bit. Like I, I don't have a lot of faith in them to get back on track. And again, I don't think it's as simple as saying, well, if DeAndre Hopkins is out there, it's going to work. I think it's deeper than that. And I wish I had answers, but I don't. I don't have a reason why. Yeah, and I think that if they lose James Conner, that's going to be another element that they're not going to have. Like, all of a sudden, you don't have, like, power rushing. So that's going to be a little bit of a concern, too. So uh, we'll see. I still think they're good enough. They still have a lot of talent out there once they get Rodney Hudson back. But this is a tough matchup for them stylistically and just because of the COVID list, injured reserve, and all that stuff. But I think, like, going back, like, this conversation, I've heard nobody talk about this Ralph uh, Robert Alford injury him going on injured reserve that's their cornerback one on the outside he's been having a hell of a year and they've been like top five and basically every single passing uh defense metric him not being there is a huge huge issue they were very weak when it comes to depth there so um i like michael Pittman this week what's all right before we move on to sunday ridley tony scampers beans connor chris tony yay all of you run the bases appreciate you being here glad in the chat you are answering each other's start set questions. I'm sure I'll we'll have to ask them again on Sunday morning when we're here for our live show. 10 a.m. Animal joins. I'll jump on at 11 and we'll be on with Hayden until about noon or 12.15. All right. Let's go on over to the 1 p.m. games on Sunday. And we start off with the great one. Buffalo, New England, 43 and a half. With the Patriots, two and a half point favorites here. Yes, right before we started, more news. We already knew that Cole Beasley was out on the COVID list. And that means he's out for next week almost certainly as well. Deion Dawkins, John Feliciano has also been out for some time. We need to add Gabriel Davis to this list as well. So last week it was Diggs and it was Gabe Davis. Now Emmanuel Sanders seems like he is trending towards a full participation ahead of this contest. Meanwhile, on the Patriots' end, Ramondre Stevenson has been ill. Kendrick Bourne is on the COVID list. So what's the view here? Because the last time these two teams played, Hayden, it was three pass attempts for New England. They went up early. G lead, crack toss. They found ways to slice and dice this Bills defense. It's going to be a different game plan, but the success could be very similar. Yeah, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Right now, more than half of the league is projected for fewer than 22 points this week. The Bills certainly included, and I think that you just nailed it right off the top. It's not just Cole Beasley. It's not just Gabe Davis. The two offensive line injuries 
is a big deal. Your left tackle, Deion Dawkins, your left guard, John Feliciano. And when with Feliciano not playing, uh, Josh Allen's EPA drops by 0.12, which is a pretty big deal. And he, Josh Allen already has splits against Bill Belichick, only averaging 6.7 yards per attempt. We know that there's going to be volume concerns whenever you're playing the Patriots, but all of a sudden some of these other things are starting to come into play. At least the weather is going to be all right. I think it's like high 30s, 10 mile an hour uh, per hour winds. I think that's going to be fine. But I do think all of a sudden Emmanuel Sanders, now that he's practicing in full, has got to be in fantasy lineups. I think that Isaiah McKenzie is going to be the new slot receiver, but he's more of like the McCole Hardman type where you're just scheming him up some touches and go from there. I think it's just going to be Steph Diggs against JC Jackson. I think this should be a big Emmanuel Sanders week. This should be a big Dawson Knox week if they can get there. Bam. That's my pick. I mean, look, a Benji for 100 yards out of a tight end is ludicrous. So maybe we can adjust it for the position. But look, let me bargain with you here, Hayden. Dawson Knox is over under for receiving yards, again, that you can stack with his quarterback if you want to and pick him. 38 and a half. Can we... Can we double that? Like, can we make that 70 receiving yards? 75. Okay, we'll make it 75 and say that's the Benji this week for Dawson Knox because it's all lining up. We've seen points this season when the Bills want to dictate defensive personnel groupings that Dawson Knox would kick, you know, Cole Beasley either down the pecking order or, or to the sideline. And so now, especially when you have less offensive linemen at your disposal, we talked about Dawkins, John Feliciano, also with the Gabe Davis news, was the backup interior offensive lineman, Cody Ford, who's out there, who's out on the COVID list as well. So multiple tight end sets is in the range of outcomes here. And then in that case, Dawson Knox can be your receiving option or be split out into the slot. Absolutely love, love Dawson Knox this season. A couple more parts. Josh Allen against Bill Belichick. It's been a bit of a roller coaster. I mean, Career two and four record versus New England, the only team that Josh Allen has started two plus games against and has a losing record. And the Bills this year have, it's been tough to to like nail them down. I mean, they're one of those teams that scores 30 on you or scores less than 17. There is no middle ground. There's very few 21 or 24 point contests. It either works or it doesn't. And they really, really struggle. And based on history, based on what we've seen this year, based on injuries and players out, the strengths of the Patriots are, are matching up quite well to the weaknesses of the Bills. Yeah, I agree. We'll see what happens with the Patriots' ground game. Ramondre Stevenson has not practiced this week because of an illness. Damian Harris has been limited, but he was also limited last week when he eventually he was ruled out. So the power element, they need at least one of those backs out there. I'm sure they'll get at least one of them back. If both of them are healthy, I'm going to lean on Damian Harris as the starter I think that this will be another pretty run-heavy game plan. It will not be as drastic because the weather is better. But we also have to monitor Kendrick Kendrick Bourne's out. Nelson Aguilar's out. Like right now, it's like Jacoby Myers and Hunter Henry, <laughs> and that is it, man. I mean, right. it's super bad out there. But Hunter Henry's top 10 in fantasy usage. I know that's where the strengths of the Bills are right now. Like in on paper, this is a Jacoby Myers game, but like, on paper, that means like 44 yards. Right. Uh, so it's going to be a, a tough situation. I think that Damian Harris is probably the best fantasy asset in this game. But the, the total's so low, it's like hard to get too excited about anyone here. Yeah, we still haven't seen that much of this defense without Trey White. I know I keep bringing it up, but it's just been two contests, and one of those didn't really count in, in the passing game. Yeah, I, I think if 
we had a healthy Kendrick Borden and a healthy Nelson Aguilar, then you might see a slightly different lean for this team offensively in the Patriots because we've seen like when they're down the scoreboard, they trust Mac Jones. We've seen the first half too. We, we went through a phase where offensive line issues and people forget this, their best assets were going in 11 personnel, letting Mac, you know, get the football out of his hands quickly and to the open receiver and be hyper accurate. I mean, he's on pace to set the rookie record for the entirety of the length of the NFL in his existence for records for completion percentage for a first year player. That's nuts. That's that great. Nice. And, and we're nice. witnessing that firsthand. Um, he's nine and five as a starter while all the other rookies are seven and 36 this season. If only one show prophesies the potential of that this off season. Uh, yeah. And to your point on the running backs, I, we have seen, and I, I'm not here to speculate. We've seen though, ill tags, illness tags move on over to the COVID list at points. And Ramondre Stevenson has been just taken out of practices. Meanwhile, we're seeing and hearing Damian Harris being hyped up just on handoffs and walkthroughs. I think it's going to be a heavy, heavy Damian Harris and and Brandon Bolden game, who they trust as a runner and in the passing game. Again, G lead, crack toss with Nikhil Harry working as an extra tight end. Worked, worked, worked last time. And I, I don't see how, unless they've been focusing on it, which Sean McDermott has in his postgame pressers. This game coming up, if it's as easy just to stop because you know it's coming. Neutral uh, pass rates for the Patriots over the last month, it's at 28%. Would you take the over or under on that for this game here? 28%. I, I'm going to take the over. Yeah, I think they'll pass a little bit more too. It's still going to be very low, but I think they're going to pass it a little bit more. They have to. They they, they definitely have to. Uh, final point. Each of the Bills' last 15 wins have been by 10-plus points, the longest streak in the NFL since 1950. Again, and we bring up those records, those streaks all the time because at some point they end. Maybe that ends this week, but if it continues, that means either the Bills are going to lose or they're going to blow out. They're going to blow out the Patriots. So keep that in mind. Next up, speaking of blowouts, last time these two teams faced, the Cincinnati Bengals took it to the Baltimore Ravens, and here we are again. In week 16, with the Ravens as three-point underdogs on the road, a total here of 45. Calais Campbell for the Ravens has been out the last two weeks. It sounds, if you read between the lines, like Lamar Jackson is unlikely to play. Sammy Watkins, Justin Houston, also on the COVID list. Some positive things of Tyler Huntley, and we'll get to the Ravens here in a moment, because Hayden, I know you want to start with this Bengals offense, because the last time these two teams played, Joe Burrow was blitzed, he defeated the blitz, and he sprayed it all over the yard specifically to Jamar Chase, who was outstanding at beating a healthier secondary back then that the Ravens deployed. I don't understand this point spread. And like I don't like Me talking either. about the point spread and that stuff because usually these, uh, effic- these efficiency numbers for the, the market is just so on top of it. But right now, the three points – at home, and the Ravens have 28 players on either injured reserve or the COVID list. Compare that to the Bengals, who only have 10. And where the matchup strengths are, was in favor of the Bengals anyway, because right now, the Ravens are seventh in the most snaps. They play in either cover zero, cover one, or cover three. And those are single high looks. Um, those are man-heavy looks. And where the Bengals are the strongest is when they can take on those one-on-one shots to the perimeter because that's where T. Higgins and Jamar Chase make their money. And if you look right now on Sports Info Solutions, against those coverages, Joe Burrow is first in yards per attempt. 
I don't think that they're going to change all of a sudden the Ravens game plan. Uh, they already said that they're not going to double up Jamar Chase like they did with Devontae Adams. So you have you don't have to worry about that. I think it's going to be a big bounce back spot Huge. for Jamar Chase in particular. I'm going to go Benji of the week on Jamar Chase here. And just one last note, he's six in yards per route run against those coverages, cover zero, cover one, cover three. I think that there's been enough noise about the Bengals just running the ball too much. This could be an opportunity where all of a sudden it's letting the ball rip downfield. And there's just the Ravens at some point, the injuries just matter too much. 28 to 10 when it comes to players that can't play. I like the Bengals here a lot. I mean, just to repeat what he did against the Ravens last time, 10 targets, eight receptions, 201 yards, and a Ooh. touchdown. And, like, since then, you know, it's 32 yards, 49 yards, 32 yards, 39. But then we get into this chunk, and I know a lot of people are going to think about Week 15. That is a very, very different defense in the Broncos than what the Ravens put out there because the Broncos want to prevent big plays, and they're really talented in the secondary right now. They've used so many assets there. And prior to that, San Francisco. 77 yards and two scores. The week before that, the Chargers, where, yes, on paper, it just looks like five for 52. But you and I know, Hayden, there should have been a long touchdown in there that fumbled out of his hands and went as an interception to the other team. So, really, he's been back in two of the last three weeks, Jamar Chase has. I'm looking at his pick and lines right now because I'm, again, trying to help you couple that Josh Allen odds boost whatever direction you want to go and fill out your pick five, 63 and a half receiving yards. For Jamar Chase. Again, that last time he played the Ravens, it wasn't just deep shots. He got some of those, but it was that slant that he took and broke three or four tackles. And some might say, well, that can't happen again. The Ravens have been allowing that to everyone. And that was even with Marlon Humphrey out there and whoever else, Sean Elliott, whoever you want to put. Now they're down to like Anthony Averett and so on and so forth. Like this secondary. And correct me if I'm wrong, I even think the Bengals went a bit past happy in that game in comparison to where they are and where they have been a lot this season. And that might even be something that they do this year with Joe Mixon basically being a non-existent factor in passing situations because of that knee and ankle injury. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they say, hey, our strength is passing. Let's throw it on this depleted Ravens secondary. You're right. That Ravens game in week seven was the Bengals' highest neutral pass rate of the season. That's how you do Look it at this there, guy. Josh. Look at the eyes. And I don't even have those fancy lab-based formulas that you don't restart your computer for six days to to not get rid of i haven't restarted my computer and probably since thanksgiving i'm not i'm not even joking i hate doing it just has cobwebs all throughout the system it's in the computer okay anything about the ravens that we i actually want to ask you about joe mixon before we move on because there's been points when he has been a workhorse and when we get into those games it it looks great, and we love it because he's so talented. I think the injuries are going to prevent him from doing that. So, like, again, when we're here in their fantasy semifinals, would you consider playing, I don't know, someone like Alexander Madison ahead of Joe Mixon? Yeah, I mean, I have Alexander Madison ranked second overall because I'm a sick puppy. But yes. <laughs> Joe Mixon, I still have as my RB7, and there's, like, a cluster. Like, RB4 to, like, RB14 is pretty much – the same to me he's getting in full practices i don't think it's going to be a big issue he was out there for the last snap of the game they don't seem very concerned so it's i mean he's been way too good to be thinking about benching him or any of that stuff it's just been he's not playing the passing situations which does suck but like there's a couple couple games per year where they'll give him the ball 30 times and like yep. i mean 
and looks can't great. overthink that. Yeah, he's he's too dynamic um, as a pass catcher or, or or a rusher. So yeah, Joe Mixon's definitely in your lineup. Yeah, Jamar Chase sixty three and a half receiving yards. T Higgins is over that at sixty five and a half receiving yards on Pickham right now. Okay, quickly on the Ravens in which we have no Pickham lines up for because we're still trying to figure out if Lamar Jackson is going to play again. At least when I read between the lines, it sounds like it's going to be Tyler Huntley. He and Mark Andrews have had this insane connection. Mark Andrews, when you look at teams that are advancing into the best ball semifinals, uh, it's him or George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. And like those are the three tight ends that make up all, all of those teams. We, You and I talked about it. There was only two tight ends last season that I think went over 140, I think 240 points. And this year there's already been three and a couple more might cross that mark again this season. Anything else you want to say about this this Ravens offense that is so hit or miss, but hopefully they can be feisty to keep this game close? Yeah, I mean, I just, I love Tyler Huntley, like one of the best storylines, just how much he's had to overcome not getting a senior bowl invite, not getting an NFL combine invite, going undrafted, barely hanging around. And the Ravens had it right. Clearly this guy can play, like really, really could play. And he's, he's awesome as a scrambler. They've been decently productive so big time rooting for tyler huntley i was i have him as my quarterback 10 i don't think lamar jackson's gonna play this offensive line's missing a lot of bodies though so you have to kind of worry about that but his rushing floor is going to keep him in the mix but that doesn't mean that you can't start mark andrews i still think that you can be starting marquise brown he's popping in the fantasy usage model as a buy low especially if uh sammy Watkins on the COVID list doesn't play Devin Duvernay has an ankle injury. He hasn't practiced this week. I'm going to guess he's not out there. A lot of those scheme touches go to those two guys. All of a sudden, I don't think they're going to be scheming touches. Rashad Bateman is not really his where his strengths line up. I can see a couple quick bubble screens to Marquise Brown. So I think I'm, I want Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews, and Tyler Huntley in a lot of the fantasy lineups out there. Yeah, and we know that the Ravens' offensive line is also dealing with a lot of injuries in terms of Patrick McCarr, who's stepped in, I think, admirably at, at right tackle. And again, while the Bengals' defense lacks a ton of superstars, Trey Hendrickson and company have great motors, great closing speed, and they at points have really gotten after opposing quarterbacks. So something to keep in mind there. Okay. Next game, the spread is massive in terms of the Bucks on the road against the Carolina Panthers, favored by 10, a total of 44 here. But the reason I wanted to put it up so high on the show is how many injuries are on the Bucks, how many points are expected to score, and so who's going to be scoring all of those points for us? Mike Evans, questionable. We know Leonard Fournette, Chris Godwin are out. Carolina's in. DJ Moore missed Thursday's practice along with Wednesday's practice, and I would put him as very, very questionable to play in this game. Derek Brown, their interior offensive lineman, top 10 pick, or defensive lineman, I should say, on the COVID list. Speaking of offensive linemen, the Panthers' offensive line is, is awful. But they're starting guards at times this year in center. And Dennis Daly, Patrick Elfline are out. They're on the COVID list. So that makes that unit even worse against potentially one of the best units in the league in the Bucks' defensive line. Where do you want to start here? I'm, I'm sure it's against – it's talking about the Bucks' offense because we talked about it with Antonio Brown and Ronald Jones. Set the expectations here. I like the under 44 points seems like it's too much. Like we know the Panthers are not going to be able to move the ball too much. Even with Levante David out, um, uh, Anton Winfield's probably going to be out as well, but the front front line 
is way too good against this Panthers team. And they might like start Cam Newton and bring Sam Darnold in and PJ Walker's. I mean, that is a stone cold disaster. Like we really need to get on uh, Matt rule here for some of the things that he's doing out there. But speaking about the bucks, they're projected for over 27 points this week. That seems a little high. The Panthers defense is pretty good. A six and EPA on the season. Stefan Gilmore is out there now. And Antonio Brown coming off the suspension. I thought he was going to be full practice, ready to go. He's been limited, limited. And some of the beat reporter speculations a little bit iffy on him. Brashad Perriman should be coming off the COVID list. But right now, like they're running out of weapons here. Um, so I guess like the one person I feel the most confident about is Ronald Jones. And Bruce Arians came out and said that it's it's Ronald Jones' job right now. He's expecting Ronald Jones. He kind of compared this to what Leonard Fournette did late yeah. last year when he became the guy. I think they have to do it because Keyshawn Vaughn has been so bad. So if they're supposed to score 27 points, it's if it's 24 points, how is it not going to Ronald Jones? I think it's going to be a, one of the most run-heavy attacks of the season just because if it's a limited Antonio Brown and then it's like Scotty Miller, uh, right. Tyler Johnson, Brashad Perriman, I think they're going to have to establish it with Ronald Jones. And they threw him a, a couple passes late last week too. Panthers defensive line has been gashed by the run this season. Again, maybe they don't have as many great pass catching weapons to get the ball to, but the Bucks offensive line is still incredible. And the easiest thing a running back can do is pick up the yards block for him. And this is such an ideal case for Ronald Jones to be falling into that the only way to me, he doesn't hit top 10, top 12 running back status this week. If, is if he makes mistakes like that's it, you know, if he fumbles it, if he misses pass pro, if he drops a couple and Brady's just sick of him. Other than that, this is an ideal situation to succeed. And it doesn't even have to be in the ways that Leonard Fournette, who is on some level, a complete running back in the league. It doesn't have to be in, in all those phases. It can just be running the football straight ahead in multiple gaps. And this gets home for the Bucs here, who maybe create like, you know, advantageous field positions because the Panthers offense is so, so miserable. So, yeah, I mean, I, I know we all want to search for Brashad Perryman and Tyler Johnson's and, and those likes of the world. A Rojo and Rob Gronkowski game, sign me up because I think that might be what we're getting here on Sunday. Yeah, they're, I think you're going to lean into we're stronger than you and that's just going to yes. come with those two now going to the Panthers side stone cold disaster basically do not want to start anybody I'm with you DJ Moore if he plays with, with the hamstring injury I'm concerned about that because he hasn't been practicing let's assume he's out we know you can't start the running backs against this defense they've been splitting it 50 50 anyways do you dare start <laughs> a Robbie Anderson no way yeah. right no, so it's nobody it, the answer is nobody I, I've moved Cam down I mean, they're projected for, I think, 16 and a quarter points this oh week. Oh, my gosh. And Cam Newton is, like, no lock to play even, like, half the snaps here. So the, the answer this week for the Panthers, they might be joining the Jets and some of those other teams where they have literally no fantasy starters. How crazy. I'm in Charlotte. Grew up in Charlotte. We've had season tickets since, you know, I was seven years old. Uh, you could not pay me $1,000 to go to this game on Sunday. Like... <laughs> I'm not doing it. I would much rather sit home and watch the other games with this one on in the corner of the screen than, than, than go see the Bucks demolish the Panthers in a snooze fest. And I really, really think that that's, that's what it's going to be. Yeah, Joe Person came out this morning and said that 
sources inside the building seem optimistic that Matt Rule is going to be the coach in 2022. And so that's going to be the third year of a seven-year deal worth around $62 million. Yeah, you got to figure it out. Uh, my fear is that they are going to be stuck on the outside looking in once again from this quarterback dynamic and maybe like trade way too much for Jimmy Garoppolo or something. And, and that's that. and that's where we're coming down to ahead of the uh, the, the 22, 22 season before, uh, you know, paying 15 plus million dollars for Sam Darnold too. Yeah, I mean, the quarterback situation is so bad. I, I can totally see them being the Jimmy G team. I also want to make a bold prediction. Matt Rule, Auburn head coach in 2023. He gets one more year. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, final point. I know a lot of people look at what the Saints did and they're talented on defense and say, oh, the, Pan- the Panthers have like a really talented defense. Maybe they can make some noise. The two are built so differently where like the Saints are built on power and that if there is a kryptonite to the Bucks offensive line, it's it's just running through them, running over them. And we know the Panthers defensive line is all finesse and speed. Okay. Rams, Vikings, low-key potentially fun game here. Three and a half point favorites. The Rams are on the road. A really high total. The highest of the week, 49 and a half. I don't know if we have one that hits the 50 mark here this week. Um, the Vikings, Dalvin Cook, we know was placed on the COVID list. Plenty of reports saying he is unvaccinated, so that means he's also out for next week as well. Some positivity trending towards, it sounds like, Adam Thielen playing playing in this game with the questionable tag. So we love it. Another Alexander Madison week. Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, with Jalen Ramsey playing a bit more on the outside than he has the past, you know, first half of the season versus the second half of the season. What's your view on this Vikings team right now? Yeah, I mean, I watched Adam Thielen do his warm-ups, and I'm showing this on YouTube right now last week. I mean, this guy did not look like he was ready to play. So I know he's limited, but I would not be as confident starting Mm. Adam Thielen as usual. I think they're rushing him back because they're desperate, and Adam Thielen is a baller, and he wants to get out there. I can see him just doing like this hobble thing. It's just not going to be effective. But that was a good note. That was what I was going to bring up was Jalen Ramsey – was their nickelback, their star player, whatever term you want to use. He's playing inside. I think that they're going to put him outside. It's been five straight games where he's been outside corner. Yep. I think he's basically going to follow Justin Jefferson, maybe not actually follow him, but see a lot of snaps against him. And I can't wait for that. So like best corner in the league versus maybe a top two, top three wide receiver. I can't wait for that matchup. I think Alexander Madison has proven He's going to get the rock. I mean, all three games where he's been the, the lead back, he's had at least 20 expected half PPR points. I'm sure he's the only back in the uh, NFL that's had that. Um, every single game he starts, he has that workload. It's just how they use him, And I think that they really need him. And I think that I don't really trust Adam Thielen. I think that this could be another uh, sizable Alexander Madison week. So he's a must play if you have him. Yeah, still, even on the final play, the Bears last week got it to on their – you know, last snap, a one possession score. So that's 13 of 14 this season for the Minnesota Vikings playing in in one score games. Uh, meanwhile, the Rams and Cooper Cup are just insane. And Cooper Cup needs to average 113 receiving yards per game in his last three contests to break Calvin Johnson's single season record of 1,964 yards, which was in 2012. Cup has averaged 116 receiving yards per game this season, and he already set the receptions mark for a single season 
in franchise history, Rams history, and he did that in 14 games. That's over Torrey Holt. That's over Isaac Bruce, two of you know the greatest wide receivers of the last few decades, and one of the most proficient offenses when you compare it to like the rest of the league in throwing the football. Not enough positive words can be said about Cooper Cup. And I know you also want to talk about Sony Michelle, Daryl Henderson, what we learned about there, and Tyler Higby coming off the COVID list as we were doing the show. Yeah, I mean, I love Jonathan Taylor. I think the skill position guy that deserves MVP love is Cooper Cup. I mean, he's just been so dominant, and this entire offense basically goes through him. And even like the ground game, he's been blocking his ass off too. So yep. uh, I, I think that if if Aaron Rodgers has a bad stretch and if uh, Tom Brady has a bad stretch and we want to have some fun with it, I think that Cooper Cup deserves some recognition. That's how good – He's been in all phases, downfield, underneath, scheme touches, screens, run blocking, everything's just been completely dominant from him. Um, I think that Van Jefferson and Odell are back in the same spot as usual. Upside wide receiver threes, usage has been volatile, though I think we know that they're going to be very efficient players just because of this offense. But I think the big storyline from last week was Sony Michelle. I mean, we almost nailed it to the exact snap count. It was 70-30 to 27% snaps. In front of Sony Michelle, I believe we kind of settled on 70-30 split. Sony Michelle, I think, maybe not going to have the RB1 workload because they are rotating a little bit. He had 12.8 expected half PPR points last week. I do think in NFL playoffs best ball, if you're playing those, Sony Michelle might be the best pick there is. He's still being drafted well behind Daryl Henderson. He's the lead back. They're playing with power. It's an element that Daryl Henderson has struggled with historically. It's playing into Sony Michelle's strengths, and they've decided, hey, we know we can pass the ball efficiently. If we just want to kick somebody in the teeth, we're going to do it with Sony Michelle, and I think that's the best uh, path yeah. for the Rams. I think they're making the right decision to aim for like six-yard carry, eight-yard carry, six-yard carry over and over again with Sony Michelle, and I think we should be confident the rest of the year that's, that's what they're going to be doing here. Yeah, sorry to repeat it for like the third straight week, but they can create explosive plays in the passing game, whether it be yep. Cooper Cup whether it be Van Jefferson, whether it be Odell, who we have seen is back. Um, and then the consistency element, the turn it into a second and six versus a second and nine element is going to be Sony Michelle. It's, it's winning on contact. It's, it's winning through power. And while it's not flashy, despite last week, you know, him reeling off what a 39 yard run he did. that helps too. When everything is, is well blocked. And the other element here for, for the Rams is, in comparison to previous years, they just aren't relying on the run as much and specifically inside the five and the 10 yard line. The Rams lead the NFL in pass rate inside the five and inside the 10. You know, Jared Goff was bottom five in those categories during his time with the Rams. I mean, that is the difference to me that shows how much faith Sean McVay has in his quarterback now rather than just try to pound it down across the goal line. He wants to spread out. He wants to put the ball in his best player's hand, which is Matthew Stafford to find the Higbees, hopefully to find the Cooper cups and the Odell Beckham's now and so on and so forth. Yeah. Odell's being getting involved in those jump balls slants yep. in the red zone, like right next to the goal. Line. I think that was a very good point. I think between the tackles, we might see the Rams run the ball a little bit more because they play in a too high shell teams facing the Vikings this year have had the highest neutral run rate in the league, um, more than the Chargers, more than the Broncos. It's very similar defense to those two, but I think that the defensive line for the Vikings 
it's a patchwork defensive line. They're always well coached and they've been playing above their talent level because of coach Zimmer, but teams have been able to run on them a little bit. So I think that Sonny Michelle is more of like an upside RB2. I don't want to get too carried away because Hendo is going to be out there and play some. But I think that this is basically, if you have a Rams player, you're basically starting him. Final thought with Pickham. Again, trying to help you win your pick five with Josh Allen as your single odds boost this weekend to jump from 20x to 50x. Sometimes, and this is a little thing that I figured out, the best players to target in those are the backups filling in for the starters because pick and lines are so often based on previous game success and previous game production that the small sample size maybe can work into your favor. So think of that with Alexander Madison. Think of that even with Sony Michelle, who just has a couple games as the lead ball carrier. If you think you go over or under in those, those lines aren't as strict versus someone like Cooper Cup, who's been playing, you know, 14 games this season and so much more data on those types of players. So just an area I think that is is advantageous for Iron to win, to win and pick them. All right. Let's get to some lackluster games and go through them quickly. No offense to Detroit Lions, who are five-and-a-half-point road underdogs against the Atlanta Falcons, a total of 42-and-a-half. Right now, Jared Goff is on the COVID list, so we haven't confirmed who it's going to be, but it sounds like it's going to be Tim Boyle once again. DeAndre Swift is limited. Jamal Williams is off the COVID list and back out there at practice, so that might change things for Craig Reynolds, who's been in people's starting lineups, Hayden. That might change a lot for Amon St. Amon Ross St. Brown, who has been a viable, consistent starter over the last two weeks with Jared Goff, and you have to take some of that away when it goes to the back of quarterback there. Yeah, I had Amon Ross St. Brown as like my wide receiver 14 in the initial rankings. I moved him down closer to wide receiver 20 after Jared Goff went on the COVID list. It sounds like it's going to be Tim Boyle, but that is unknown. The running back situation, extremely unknown. Uh, DeAndre Swift has been limited in practice, but I saw a beat reporter say that he didn't participate in the receiving all or the ball security drill stuff, which kind of makes me think that he's not going to play. But uh, Jamal Williams off the COVID list. So I think this is a situation where it's probably going to be a rotation. The Falcons run defense has been better than their past defense for a couple of years now. I don't know why that's the case, but it is. So I don't want to go that route. I think the only player you can start here is a Monroe St. Brown. And I think that, his floor is a little bit more elevated because of those scheme touches. I mean, if they're going to use him in the running back spot and just keep him scheming him open, and they're going to be in possibly negative game script on uh, as 5.5 um, point underdogs, I don't know. I think that you can still trust him. I mean, he's the wide receiver 12 in fantasy over the last month. I know, man. So I know I, it's tough, but like I was looking for other players. Like, Wide receiver is not that deep. It goes like 26 deep, and all of a sudden like, you're hitting like, okay, now it's Alan Lazard and those types. I think the Monroe St. Brown has earned targets, and it's not just like downfield targets. Like It's like, okay, we need an option route to the backfield. It's 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 Monroe St. Brown. They love him. It is. It is. few things here. The last start that we got from Tim Boyle, yes, it was against the Cleveland Browns who have really good pass rushers. 15 of 23, so 65 completion percentage. But hey, and that one for 77 yards and two interceptions. So it's bad. My, yeah, my fear here in Atlanta's defense is one that almost with any quarterback we can put out there and want to attack. But I think like that's the case when you talk about Tua or you talk about Ben Roethlisberger, not necessarily the backup 
for this Detroit Lions passing offense. And I also want to bring up that, like, everyone knows my feelings of Jared Goff and where he stands in, in the quarterback complexion in the NFL. But we got one of the best Jared Goff games, at least of this season, if not the last few seasons, against the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. And so he brings you those games and his performances every once in a while that makes you believe in just a little bit. I Nobody don't think Tim Boyle's capable of that. I don't think Tim Boyle's capable of doing that, though, you know, right. even against this Falcons team. So that's what worries me. Having like someone who has been a top 24 wide receiver the last two weeks, a plug and play player, if you actually watch the games in Amon Rice St. Brown and trusting him in this spot despite the opponent. Yeah. If DeAndre Swift's out there and that type of stuff, I would start getting even more concerned. But I don't know. When I keep, I, I mean, they had like five be- behind the, line of scrimmage touches for him like that's yeah. just like free stuff not like i mean tim boyle can throw that pass i, I mean I, I hope at least um on the other side of the ball big news um i learned how to pronounce the name amani Oruwarie. he has not practiced this entire week he's been a, actually a very good player for the lions kind of out of nowhere and he was going to see some russell gage who's the wide receiver 14 fantasy usage over the last month and there's going to be no tajay sharp it looks like so, like, all of a sudden, like, it's nobody at receiver behind Russell Gage. So I think that Russell Gage is, a, like, a must-play. I have him ranked pretty damn aggressively. Right now, it's just Russell Gage and, and Kyle Pitts in the pass game because they're using CPAT basically as a running back now at this point in the year. And, I mean, they have to throw the ball to somebody, and the matchup's so good. So I think that you should be starting Russell Gage with, with a lot of confidence right now. Yeah, I know you've been in the lab, and you probably know this answer. Since week 11 – and on how many fantasy points per game half point ppr do you think russell gage is scoring i mean he's probably like wide receiver 11 or something like that it's probably pretty high 16.7 fancy yeah. points per game here for for russell gage in that span of time that, that that's pretty amazing man i so wish we got calvin ridley this season because i feel like we're still going to have a bunch of questions for Arthur Smith and this Falcons offense. The role for Cordero Patterson has changed quite a bit. That's changed the role for Mike Davis. And Hayden, you and I had the conversation about Cal Pitts, just one touchdown on the season. He's had 12 uh, red zone targets, only caught three of them. That's only, what, two more than Lee Smith has on the entire year. I'm totally with you. Like, his talent can win out. But what do we have to latch on to that, like, hey, yeah, in these final three games, he's going to score three touchdowns and regress to all those targets he's been getting? Hey, it's possible. All I know <laughs> is Kyle Pitts is not a player for his career. I'm going to bet that he doesn't turn his 12 red zone targets on average into one touchdown. I got a feeling that's going to be I'm about five or right six. Now. I'm focused on right now. I'm not because on 2022, guess what? Hayden, you and I are going to do a whole bunch of these shows, and I'm going to talk myself all the way in on Cal Pitts and it working out, but I'm just focused on the here and now. And uh, it doesn't look right to me. It doesn't look right to me at the moment. And guess what? If he still goes off in the last three weeks, he can still set the tight end rookie record pretty easily. I think he's about 250, 300 yards behind Mike Ditka for the all-time mark. He's almost already in second place. That's very achievable considering how much of a quote unquote disappointment he was for us plebes and what we care about in fantasy football and pick them lines. I was looking at 2022, the best ball uh, you can do drafts right now on underdog fantasy. I was looking at the rankings because I'm a sick, sick, sick fish and I'm doing my own rankings already for next season. And Kyle Pitts is already the tight end five. So like we're believing as a society (laughs) that 
Kyle Pitts is here to here to dominate, and I'm not going to rule out against the freaking Lions as a positive regression candidate. Come on. <laughs> okay, couple more. Chargers, Texans, Chargers on the road here, favored by ten points. A total of forty-five and a half. Low key, the Texans are completely ravaged by uh, by COVID. I mean, they have like twenty something players. Twenty-two. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. And they're frisky. Anyways, Titus Howard, who has filled in at left tackle for them. Uh, he's on the COVID list. Brandon Cooks, COVID list. Justin Britt, their center, COVID list. But it's not like the Chargers have escaped it either. Joey Bosa, Corey Lindsley, both out on the COVID list. And Austin Eckler as well. He, of his own facey football podcast with the great Liz Loza, telling Dawson Ox, my Benji, or 75-yarder of the week, uh, to go pick up Justin Jackson. So, are you picking up Justin Jackson? And where do you slot him, Hayden? Am I crazy? I have him as the RB9. I originally had him even higher than that. The Chargers are projected for the second most points of the week. And when I was looking back, uh, Justin Jackson, like we always kind of penciled him in as the best one-for-one replacement for Austin Eckler just because he seems like a more natural pass catcher, more of a similar build to Austin Eckler compared to Josh Kelly. And then Josh Kelly... On Thursday Night Football last week, when he fumbled it, he didn't get another touch after that. That was all Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler down the stretch. So the team is projected for sec- the second most points of the week. And I think that Justin Jackson is going to basically have the Austin Eckler role. Obviously, he's not going to be a- as dynamic. He's probably not going to get as many targets. But a team that's projected for 27.5 points against a team that, like you said, is just so covid hell right now i think that you have to be starting justin jackson with a lot of confidence right now i don't think that joshua kelly is any good he went to ucla i haven't seen anything in the pros that suggests (laughs) that he's any good so i'm going to go with the more trusted veteran here and i think they're going to get him into a similar austin eckler role and i think that he deserves some rb1 love right now yeah this chargers team can continue continue to uh make us even more believers into them. And yeah, on the Texans, like Nico Collins could potentially get a much more significant role, but like the Chargers have some defensive pieces, you know, and they're going to prevent big plays. That's I don't like, think this week though, Derwin James is probably not going to play. No Bosa. I mean, it's, they're losing a lot of guys out there. I just, I'm just worried about the, the Texans offensive line. Like, I mean, yeah. it's brutal. They're all on the COVID list, basically no Brandon cook. So it's, it's going to be a Nico Collins comeback game. But at least the Chargers are getting Asante Samuel back. So the corners are better. It's just the other, like the front seven and the safeties that are an issue. So who knows? Jalen Guyton, I believe, is also on the COVID list. Does that make you want to play maybe a Josh Palmer as the wide receiver three? Again, they're not going to throw down the yard as much as they have in other contests this year. So it's going to be like a Keenan Allen and and Mike Williams contest if anyone catching the ball. Yeah, I will say if if Guyton is out and it sounds like he's going to be out. I mean, doesn't that like we've been complaining about where's the Mike Williams deep? Deep targets like this could be the kind of the week for it. And so I moved Mike Williams up a little bit. I know you guys probably hate this, but yeah, I think that Mike Williams, if Jalen Guyton's out there, I don't think that Josh Palmer is going to be the deep threat. I think that they might use Mike Williams as the deep threat here. And I think that completely elevates his ceiling. And I don't care about the too high stuff. Like the Texans don't have the bodies back there right. and Mike Williams could win contested catches. So I like him a lot. Jacksonville, New York Jets. Big total of 41 and a half in this game. It was Pickham. The Jets have now moved in order to a slight favorite of one point. COVID case, LaVisca Chenault, just before we got started, we found that out. James Robinson is questionable with a knee injury. 
Sounds like we'll get Elijah Moore back in week 17, not week 16 that we care about. Hayden, Jacksonville Jaguars could be just the sixth team since 1967 to have back-to-back number one picks. This is number one, Trevor Lawrence versus number two in Zach Wilson. And I got to say it, I believe more in this Jets offense, not because of the quarterback, not because of how healthy they are, because they're not, but because of the play caller. And I love what Mike LaFour put out there on the field in the first half last week. Yeah, I just think that Zach Wilson's no good and no Jameson Crowder this week. With That means that's going to be all backups. Uh, with Jameson Crowder off the field, I mean, their splits are like massive. And it's kind of been like this like throughout Jameson Crowder's career. I mean, they're 0.18 EPA worse without Jameson Crowder on the field. Compare that with no Corey Davis now, no Elijah Moore. Uh, up front, Elijah Vera Tucker's on the COVID list. Yep. Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, he's on the COVID list. That's their right guard as well. Which is know, where is the crazy no Robert roundabout, Sala? Crazy roundabout conver- conversation with LADC who, you know, chose to not play football last year and work in a hospital all season long. So at some point it's coming for all of us. So. I know that's crazy, but I just think there's no, there's no talent on the jets right now. Like none. Yep. Uh, Tevin Coleman had a little bit of pop last week. They're using Michael Carter indirectly. So I have the Jaguars as my underdog of the week. I think that they should be favored here. Um, the Jaguars uh, or the jets on defense too. No Ashton Davis, Michael Carter's their corner. John Franklin Myers is a pass rusher. Um, they have another defensive tackle starter that's on the COVID list. I mean, this team has nobody, like literally nobody. Like the Jaguars roster, I think, is better this week than the Jets. And I think that Trevor Lawrence is light years ahead of Zach Wilson. So, like, obviously, there's yeah. there's nothing to watch here. Like, please do not watch this game. But I think that's going to be the one of the best uh, Trevor Lawrence games that they're, they're they that you can write up. And I think that James Robinson's at RB one again. And I just like the, the Jaguars to kind of sneak in here, get their another win on the, on the record. Okay. Another prediction. And I already did a Benji, but I think Braxton Berrios could have an Amon Ross St. Brown type week. Cause Braxton Berrios is almost like the key to unlock so much of this jets offense in the passing game. That's pro bowler Braxton Berrios, by the way, <laughs> there we go. I couldn't believe there that. We go. I know. I mean, for Trevor Lawrence, zero touchdown passes in six of his last seven games. How bad can you be, coaches? How bad can you? I mean, but part of it is they just have no vertical speed, like zero vertical speed. So how much money and how many draft picks are they going to spend trying to to change that this offseason? It would be one to watch. Hopefully James Robinson plays because we know this is a smash spot for him if he does. Okay, one more. And I don't know why I put it afterwards. One more one o'clock game. It's the Giants and the Eagles. Eagles favored by 10 points. Total of 40 and a half here. A few notes. Since week eight, Philadelphia is scoring 30 points per game, 214 rushing yards per game. A little capsule of who they are at this moment is so different than who they were prior to week eight. Among the highest in the league in neutral pass rates at the time, they changed who they were on the fly, and it's allowed Miles Sanders, who has had 120-plus rushing yards in two straight games. No Eagle since at least 1950 has had 120-plus rushing yards in three straight games, yet he can't buy a touchdown. Plus, on top of that, Hayden, Dallas Goddard is turning into the type of talent that I hoped he would be when drafting him so much this offseason. Yeah, he's been balling. Uh, Jalen Hurts has been absolutely incredible. Like since week 11, he's like second in on-target rate per sports info solution. So 
some of the accuracy concerns have been a little bit uh, alleviated here. And I mean, like you said, like the Miles Sanders touchdown stuff, it's because Jalen Hurts is third in the NFL in inside the five-yard line carries uh, with 13 of them. Only Jonathan Taylor and James Conner has more. He is their goal line back. But I still don't think that's enough to kind of get me off of the Miles Sanders stuff. I mean, Miles Sanders in the last couple of weeks, 17.2, 13.7 expected half PPR points. And then the way that the offensive line is playing and what Jalen Hurts does for Miles Sanders, I think we should expect him to be an above average player. So I have him all the way up as my RB5 on the week. This is assuming that he's going to be able to play. I know he hasn't practiced this week, but my theory is they just played on Tuesday. Yeah, Miles Sanders has been around the league enough. He doesn't need to practice anymore and that he's going to be ready to go. He seemed pretty optimistic after last week. But yeah, I think that this is just a, a runaway game for the Eagles. The Giants have a bunch of players on injured reserve in the COVID list as well. This is just a team that has nothing to play for right now. Let me throw a wrench into this conversation that's very pro-Eagles at the moment. Week 12, Jalen Hurts lost in this game 13-7. to You remember? He played awfully. 14 yep. of 31, 129 yards through three interceptions. So like the on-target rate that you're talking about, very fair. In that game, it was probably his worst of the season. We've seen some bad ones, him throwing the football, because the Giants just wanted to contain him in the pocket. They didn't allow him to move outside of it, and he hit you know short shots to the right. And he was just missing. He was so wildly inaccurate and making awful, awful decisions. That's a really difficult game plan to do two times in a row when we've seen Nick Sirianni, you know, change things up. And they've been really good. They, they've been really good here the, the last few weeks. And even getting, you know, Devontae Smith, who's been wide open all season long, a little bit more involved. Uh, I love seeing that. I absolutely yeah. love seeing that. I think the game plan is just going to be run the ball. Like it's not yeah. like a bold prediction, but the Eagle or the giants are 29th in rushing EPA 29th in uh, rushing success rate on defense. They just have no bodies. They're 20 players on injured reserve right now, 20 that's got to be either number one or number two. And then even on the giants offense, Kadarius Tony comes off the COVID list, but he still is probably not going to play because of quad and oblique injury. Sterling Shepard popped his Achilles. Like right now it's like Kenny Galladay and Darius Slayton and freaking Evan Ingram. I mean, like you cannot drop three, less efficient pass catchers than them outside of Saquon Barkley. who has been struggling himself. So this is just a team that's, I mean, I like the under on 40 and a half points. I think the Eagles are going to be able to move the ball here. I just think that the giants is like so bad. They're projected for like 15 points. I think I would take the under if I had to choose. Yeah, they've been in and out of the lineup all season long, but Kenny Galladay doesn't have a touchdown. Obviously Kadarius Tony doesn't have a touchdown receiving to his name this season. That's your first round pick and the free agent wide receiver that you, you know, backed up the Brink truck. Of money to this offseason. Um, that means you know you had a bad offseason. Like yeah. when you prioritize two players and then neither of them can find the end zone. And we know how bad Jason Garrett was in terms of his red zone touchdown success rate earlier this offseason. Uh, hopefully, hopefully Albert Breer is correct and that Russell Wilson is headed in that direction. Uh, that would add some juice. That would add some juice to that team. But yeah, you and I are both on the same page where. Philly's offensive line is one of the most dominant units in the league. We saw him take it, take it to the Saints and like demolish that defensive line front. And they should be able to do that again this week against the New York Giants. All right. Before we move on, thanks for everyone for being here. If you're new to the channel, be sure to like and subscribe down below. We have this show, which we're going to actually do now from Fridays here on out because of all the crazy news that happens on Thursdays. It's just easier to do it on Fridays in the morning. Sundays, 
We have a 10 a.m. start to a start-sit show. We'll pick, pick them lines out, talk about games as a whole. Then Mondays, our 10 takeaway show, and then we're back here on Tuesdays with the fantasy users model for at least, I guess, the next week. Are we going to do one after week 18? Who knows? We haven't figured that one out. Who knows? Okay. Let's jump on over to the 4 p.m. slate. Just three games on the 4 p.m. slate. Uh, And we'll start off with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Kansas City Chiefs. A total of 44 and a half, but the Chiefs favored by eight and a half the last time that we checked. Big news on the Chiefs front for COVID. Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Rashad Fenton. That changes the complexion of this entire game offensively because it's a narrow superstar offense for the Chiefs. They've really gotten Kelsey, obviously, and Tyreek involved here. But if both are out, they don't have the players to potentially step up. But Hayden, we have seen in the past, Miko Hardman almost operate as Tyreek Hill insurance and his best games coincide when Tyreek Hill is not in the field. Yeah, he was the number one wide receiver handcuff going into the season. I think that's what he's going to do. I have him ranked just ahead of Byron Pringle in my rankings, but I have all of them in like the flex consideration, completely boom bust. Because I mean, last week, if you're looking at routes, it was Tyreek one, then Demarcus Robinson, then Byron Pringle, then a huge tier gap. And then that's where McCall Hardman came in. So I think he's going to be more of a full-time player, but I do worry about the Chiefs offense in general. I think that if there was a week, that we can say, hey, it's just time to run the ball. The Steelers have been a team that's been giving up explosive plays in the run game. There was a couple of times a couple of weeks ago where, I mean, they were not even close to stopping the run. So I think this could be a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire game. He's been rotating with Daryl Williams so much that I can only rank him so high. But I can see this being a game where they say, all right, let's try to establish our ground game. Maybe we can scare some teams out of using uh, quarters and cover two in the playoffs because of this game. I like the under just in general. 44 and a half seems like too much. The Steelers on defense, TJ Watts, good to go. Joe Hayden is good to go. When both of those players are in, their defensive EPA is up by 0.15 per play. I think that matters here. And then on the other side of the ball, no Patrick Fryer move. They're not even trying to get Chase Claypool going. Like, I don't yeah. see that many points in this game just in general. <sighs> Me either. I mean, I really did like the under in this one. Again, it's at 44 and a half, but that's already still kind of low. I mean, that's still kind of low. The Chiefs, where they're at their best, let's just take, for like example, Kelsey and Tyreek out. The offensive line, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, Orlando Brown, go on and on and on. They are fantastic run blockers. And all their rushing success is based on creating yards for the running backs. None of their backs can really create on their own. And we might see, you know, a 20-carry 92-yard performance from Clyde Edwards-Alaire as he, you know, reenacts his bowling ball mentality and 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 picks it up there. And if that's the case, if they get 20 carries, then yeah, I mean the 44 and a half, I, I bet that hits the under. And especially with how the Chiefs' defense is playing at this moment, really rounding into form, how Ben is so miserable to watch. Like I bring it up every single week, but then once we talk about their games, it enters my brain like something that he did the previous week. And like that little like push pass that he tried to throw out to Najee Harris when half the offensive line didn't even get out of their stance when the ball was snapped. It's abysmal. It's unwatchable. And they're on course for an eight, eight and one season. The Steelers are, and it's just so fitting and poetic that they're going to finish that way too. I saw Robert Mays of the athletic football show. He, he, he was looking at play action stats and like 
on 60% of Big Ben's play action snaps when he's pressured, it goes into a sack. And like the league average is like 20, and he's up at like 60%. He's like three times less mobile <laughs> in the pocket than like the average quarterback. And that completely checks out even watching him. Yeah, I just, it's so frustrating. I mean, Chase Claypool, he only ran around on 59% of dropbacks last week. And I know he's a knucklehead and all that stuff, but I mean, it's the NFL. In the NBA and the NFL and in baseball, wherever, you're you're trying to win the games. I know he's a knucklehead, yeah. but like get this dude the rock. How are you supposed to score any points downfield without him right now? So it's it's super frustrating. I had to drop Chase Claypool down the rankings. I mean, first of all, the Chiefs wide receiver defense has been very good historically for multiple years, and especially right now because they can rush the passer. Yeah, you can't you can't play these guys. No clue who their quarterback is going to be next year. Almost certain you and I are going to talk ourselves into a discounted Chase Claypool though, heading into uh heading into 2022 with with the with the quarterback change. I mentioned Travis Kelsey on the COVID list. So is Blake Bell, who's our second tight end. So bring in rookie Noah Gray. I believe he went to Duke, if I'm not yes. mistaken. Had a lot of preseason training camp buzz from a national level. Yeah, what was so, that all about? And said, like, he's going to be an important part of this offense. He hasn't been an important part. Yeah, of two offense, tight end but, sets. I, re- I remember those. Two tight end yeah. sets for the Chiefs. But maybe that was all directed here to week 16. And if you need, you know, bottom of the barrel pickings for salary at tight end, Noah Gray is a potential player to keep in mind. We'll clip that if that turns out to to a success. Okay. Two more games here in four o'clock. Chicago Bears, Seattle Seahawks. It looks like I'm telling like a ghost story here with the lighting. It's brutal. Me on the road, just bad, bad news. 42 and a half. Six and a half point favorites of the Seattle Seahawks here. Our COVID list, Akeem Hicks. Uh, I believe their best cornerback might also be out of this game yep. too. At least was last week. Um, Tyler Lockett, I believe, is back for Seattle. And so that means, you know, we saw DK Metcalf get beyond the secondary of the LA Rams. Russell Wilson not be able to hit that. Talk about coming to an end. That marriage of Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson is on that track. And Hayden, after so much positivity around Rashad Penny, it was actually in like a negative game script environment. DJ Dallas getting a whole bunch of opportunities. Yeah, Rashad Penny, even when he was a starter, was averaging under 10 expected half PPR points. Just this team's too slow. It's too bad. Uh, Russell Wilson's missing throws still. Now he's doing rehab for another injury. And he said he's been working around the clock. I mean, this guy, like, does anyone like sleeping less than Russell Wilson? I mean, this has got to be affecting. This guy's probably gotten four, 14 hours of sleep uh, over the last couple of months. I and mean, that, that's got to be affecting him. And DK Metcalf looked like he wanted to take Russell Wilson's head off after missing uh, him downfield when he roasted Jalen Ramsey, which rarely happens, and just completely missed him. So, I mean, like, I'm late to the party, uh, but I had to move DK Metcalf down. The fantasy usage model is clearly lying to me about this because Russell Wilson's been this bad. But yeah, we have to adjust, especially with lock it out. I have both of them in like this like boom bust wide receiver two three mix. Um, but at the same time, I like the matchup. No, no Khalil Mack, no Akeem Hicks, no uh, Jalen Johnson. Some of their safeties and stuff are on the COVID list as well. It's just a total mess here. I wanted to pick the Bears in an upset spot here, but I just ultimately couldn't do it because they're just too many missing bodies. So this is an ugly, ugly game. Nothing to play for. Hopefully, Justin Fields kind of has a, another coming out party because that's like the only thing I care about in this game, really. Yeah, Matt Nagy fucking sucks. Like, we just got to get rid of this whole thing, this whole situation. Like, how do you not orchestrate an offense that is geared to the skills and talents of of your rookie quarterback? And I am not one of these people that thinks 
Justin Fields is like the perfect player or that he hasn't made mistakes. He definitely has this year. But there are so many positive singular moments and at points the season drives and multiple drives in a row where he stacked good things and then it just crumbles the next game or the latest game. And that can't happen. Like just stack positive stuff for rookie quarterback so you have something to build on and believe on next year. And now we all know that like they got to start over. They got to start over in so many elements. At least we do know that Dave Montgomery can run the ball. The Seahawks have not been great without Jamal Adams at stuffing the run. So like that is their pathway to success here with hopefully a Darnell Mooney shot down the field one or two to get them home. Yeah, I still can't play Darnell Mooney if Allen Robinson comes back. And I think that he could come off the COVID list in time for this game. He has um, he's been averaging four fewer expected half PPR points per game. That's Darnell Mooney with Allen Robinson this year. It's just there's too much to overcome for him. So I think your team's pretty effed if you're starting Darnell Mooney. Going back to Justin Fields real quick. Since week 11, he's had the uh, highest pressure rate in the NFL among starting quarterbacks. And I think a lot of that goes on him. But PFF has a stat on like they kind of account for like whose problem this was. I mean, it's been the offensive line, not Justin yeah. Fields for a lot of those. The problem is, I mean, this is probably just a rookie quarterback. He'll get better at this. I mean, nobody likes running backwards on their sacks for more yards than Justin <laughs> Fields. I mean, that's something that he can improve on. Uh, but if they just use him on like quarterback design runs instead of just scrambling, maybe he wouldn't have to take 35 it's, yard sacks every once in a while. It's the Madden generation, Hayden. We all did it. We were all dropping 12, 13 yards in the backfield uh, on our sacks. Yeah, I mean, he also leads the NFL in intended air yards per attempt, especially off play action. He's throwing bombs. But then in those cases, I do think we've brought it up multiple times. Like the game has not slowed down for full games for Justin Fields yet. So like he's still working towards like diagnosing exactly what he sees. And then when Tevin Jenkins and whoever else is allowing pressure and extended players chasing him, then yeah, I mean, the athletes are just better in the NFL too. And you can't let like James Daniels leave either. Who's a free agent after this season and been a really good interior offensive lineman for them too. Do you think, I mean, I don't know if, if, the lack of sleep storyline has gotten to a national stage yet, or even Russell Wilson holds the, you know, the viewership as maybe he had in previous years, but maybe he angles for like a sleep number or a Casper uh, ad deal sponsorship this summer. Could that work out? I hope so. Let rest sleep. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> rest sleep. All right. One more four o'clock game. Denver Broncos, Las Vegas Raiders, a total of 41 and a half Raiders, one and a half point favorite here. Uh, it's Drew Locke. It's Drew Locke time. Darren Waller is still also out. So I actually like the Broncos as my upset special, uh, as my underdog of the week. Uh, Sell me. I'm I'm just hoping that Drew freaking Locke doesn't turn the ball football over. If he doesn't turn the football over, I think the Broncos win. Because good running game, and I know that both questionable Melvin and Javante Williams are. Solid offensive line. You use that ability to create big plays, to move the chains, to negate where the Raiders are at their best, which is rushing the passer, and then flip to the other side of the ball. The Broncos are great at stopping big plays, and the Raiders, this year when they had their most success, it's creating those big plays down the field. And so I think being able to run and stop and not having to cover Darren Waller with your bad linebackers, which the Broncos would have had to do, that's a recipe for success on that side of the ball too. 
Yeah, I mean, I wanted to really like the Raiders, but then I was like looking at the injury report right now. The Raiders probably know Jonathan Abram, Brandon uh, Faction, the cornerback too. I don't know how to pronounce his Faison. name. The slot yeah. corner, Nate Hobbs. I mean, that's that's an issue. That's a base of their entire secondary. Um, so, I mean, in theory, this could be Jerry Judy week on paper, but I mean, Drew Locke's literally dead last in EPA out of 51 quarterbacks this year. Uh, EPA per play, um, 25th in neutral pace, 30th in neutral pass rate. Yeah, this is just an ugly, ugly, ugly game. Looking at Derek Carr, just like how drastic this has been with Henry Ruggs, his EPA per uh, per dropback was 0.28. Without him, it's 0.04. I mean, that is a massive, massive deal. Obviously, Darren Waller and John Gruden all play into that as well. But yeah, right now, like the entire offense is just Hunter Renfro, who's the wide receiver eight in fantasy usage and Josh Jacobs, and I think it's just going to be a bunch of underneath stuff, and this game's going to be pretty ugly. Yeah, look, Drew Luck sucks. Like, if he turns around his career, wow, that'd be incredible. But we've also gotten frustrated from, like, a big-picture view of Teddy that he wasn't able to maximize what this offense can be and maybe what they're angling for this offseason with the likes of Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and Noah Fant and Tim Patrick. There's a lot of good pieces out there. So maybe like, again, against a Raiders secondary and, and defense other than two pass rushers that you can get after. Maybe this is the moment that that happens. I'm looking at actually the pick lines right now. Uh, Drew Locke projected for only 200 passing yards over under for him. And Derek Carr's up there for like 252. He hasn't hit that 252 mark in the last three weeks, despite having 38 attempts against the Cleveland Browns. He did hit it against Kansas City, but that was 45 attempts. And then 38 attempts against Washington only put up 249 yards. Wolf. Big wolf. Big wolf. Okay. Let's go on over to the primetime games. Appreciate everyone who is here right now. Like and subscribe if you are new to the channel. Again, we move this show to Friday, so we have the latest news. But we'll also update you on Sunday morning starting at 10 a.m. And I'll kick on with Hayden around 11 to fill in with the final news and final game previews our favorite lines and answer your starts at questions as well. Okay. Sunday night football primetime games this weekend are also not so good. Washington football team, Dallas Cowboys on the big peacock, 10 and a half point favorites. The Cowboys are a total of 47 here. Our buddy JP Finley, friend of the show has outlined that Antonio Gibson missing practices the last few days, obviously a really, really bad sign. Jarrett Patterson would be much more involved there. But that's if everything goes according to plan for Washington, which we know when they've won this season in the last few weeks, it's by establishing the run. But now you have this Cowboys defense flying around the field, three great pass rushers, three great athletes on that side of the ball, plus Trevon Diggs in the secondary. Washington is going to get Taylor Heineke back. Ten and a half, though, here makes a lot of sense with the Dallas Cowboys. I think it does. Washington's had offensive line concerns for the last couple weeks. Now Brandon Sheriff goes on the COVID list. Um, It sounds like both Gibson and McKissick are not going to play. So Jarrett Patterson, who is probably a pretty limited player himself. I don't know how they do this. The Cowboys are all of a sudden number one in EPA per play on defense. With Demarcus Robinson back, their splits are completely massive. Um, This is a juggernaut Cowboys defense, in my opinion. They can just rush the passer like crazy. And Taylor Heineke just like does not have it against that. So I'm really, really down on the Washington offense. Like Terry McLaurin in garbage time, sure. I like that. But 
Um, very limited, low ceiling for Washington football team. And then on the Cowboys side of the ball, a couple of storylines here. William Jackson, the cornerback one, and yep. Landon Collins have not practiced this week. And William Jackson, he hasn't been on the field. They're 0.18 EPA percent or EPA per play worse without him. And we all of a sudden we have this like Amari Cooper radio hit squeaky wheel narrative where he's been kind of roasting Kellen Moore <laughs> and Dak Prescott and everybody say, throw me the ball. And if William Jackson was going to be covering Amari Cooper this week, why not Amari Cooper? I think that this could be a game where they get out of the funk. Washington's defense went on a little bit of a stretch, but that was against really bad opponents. I think this could be a spot where all of a sudden Zeke looks healthy. He had 17 expected half PPR points last week. Amari's squeaky wheel, CeeDee Lamb's in a good matchup. And all of a sudden, like everything kicks into gear. And we we're like looking right. at the Cowboys. We we're like, wow, this team's got an offense and a defense. And their offense, they can run with power or pass the ball. It's pretty scary. Packers stumble along the way. There is a chance that the Cowboys get the number one overall seed in the NFC as well. Yeah, I mean, just a couple weeks ago, you remember, Hayden, these two teams played. The Cowboys were up 24 to nothing at halftime. That was without Tony Pollard, who looked like he still had juice this past weekend despite the plantar fascia injury. And that was the game when they just sat Ezekiel Elliott for the entire third quarter. And that's when Corey Clement got in the ball game. I mean, it's all it's all lining up here for Cowboys. I'm more focused on and Washington's defense has been a roller coaster in terms of success and you know they went from the worst team on third downs to the best team on third downs and now it's back somewhere in the middle. I just want to see Dak, CD, Amari, Gallup and Schultz all work as unison for one time this season before we get to the playoffs because then if that happens for these final 3 weeks I'm all the way in on the Cowboys. I'm so in yep. on the Cowboys. I, I am all the way in already. Uh, it was a good point. You, you brought up how Corey Clement ran out the clock two weeks ago. The same thing happened last week where Tony Pollard got all the touches in the fourth quarter when the game was out of hands. And Zeke Elliott still had 17 expected half PPR points because of how dominant he was in the first three quarters. He's put on that knee brace and he seems like He's playing a little bit better, and he says he feels a little bit better, so I'll, I'll take him for his word. But just going back, I, I have the team projection charts every week in the Fantasy Blueprint, and it looks at uh, implied points and in, in, uh, offensive pace. The Cowboys are at the top right of the chart, more so than anybody else, projected for the Ooh. most points this week, top three in neutral pace. I think this is like the Dallas Cowboys week. you got to start basically everyone. Everyone go and check out this image on underblog.underdogfantasy.com because like when you are making decisions on start sets here in your fantasy semifinals, choose from the top right. And if you have to, choose from the bottom right. But definitely choose from the top right, and that splits hairs for you because those teams play fast and they're projected to score a whole bunch of points this week. It's kind of that simple. It really Good is. players, teams that run a lot of plays, and they're expected to score a, a lot of points. That's it. That's the name of the game. Uh, okay, let's move on here. And let's close out with the Miami Dolphins as two-point favorites against the New Orleans Saints, a total of 37.5. Yes, New Orleans, no, that's me watching this game. I'll probably go see Spider-Man instead of watching this contest, to be honest with you. Nerd. On Monday Night Football. I mean, we get Ian freaking Book at quarterback. Trevor Simeon, Taysom Hill, both on the COVID list, and it doesn't end there. And this is why, to me, this makes it a disaster spot for Sean Payton and the Saints. Ryan Ramchek, Teron Armstead, for multiple weeks, we've waited here on Thursday and Friday to know if they're going to play. It sounds like they are not going to play here. That's their left tackle, 
That's their right tackle. That is the foundation for the Saints' offensive success. And their third offensive lineman, I also believe, is potentially out of this game. So you have a team playing Ian Book, who was not good in college, who is a quote-unquote gamer in terms of like, hey, I'm going to make things happen with my feet and like try to throw passes that aren't going to work. Now you get that with two backup offensive linemen against a defense that when you go empty or on other sets is going to zero blitz the heck out of you with real talent at cornerback position. Nightmare fuel. Nightmare fuel. It is. That's why the total is so low. And the Saints are only projected for 18 points. So it's just a disaster game. Now, Ian Book's a little bit interesting, not because of the passing. I think it's going to be a disaster there. But per uh, Sports Info Solutions, over his last 25 collegiate games, his last two seasons, he had 31 scramble yards per game, 19 yards on designed rushes. And I think he's basically, if I had to describe him, like, 80% 80% Taysom Hill. I think that's kind of like where we're at here. So if that moves the needle for you, awesome. I think that you could do worse if you're in like a two quarterback league. Um, but the rest of the the offense is like unplayable outside of obviously Alvin Kamara, who's got a little bit of Alvin Kamara splits. He's averaging like two fewer expected half PPR points based off of his usage with uh, Mark Ingram versus without him. But yeah, this is an ugly, ugly game. And whoever decided this need to be on Monday Night Football, like that's tough. Did you just get excited about 19 and a half rushing yards? That's designed rushing yards. And then he had 30, 31 scramble yards. He almost had 50 rushing yards per game uh, over uh, two seasons. I mean, that, that'll that move the needle a little bit. All right. All right. Uh, this is also quite a statement that Vegas is giving Miami's offense uh, in terms of real negative bias towards them. And I understand it. We've talked a lot about Miami's offense this season that against bad defenses, they can torch them because it's the RPOs, it's the speed outs, and everything they're going to put in the field is going to work. Uh, now we've seen the Saints with Dennis Allen shut down Tom Brady, be really, really good in other spots this season. Well, there are a couple times that they haven't as well. Big fear here is Saints defensive line, monsters. Dolphins offensive line, bottom three in the NFL, If the Saints, excuse me, if the Dolphins are going to have success offensively, I don't think it's going to be the same pathway as it was last week with Duke Johnson becoming a power runner. It's going to have to hopefully get Jalen Waddle back and his, you know, combination with Mike Kosicki and what they did with Devontae Parker last week, too. Yeah, I think it'll just all come down to can the Dolphins receivers slash Kosicki win their one on one matchups? We know that's what the Saints are going to do. They're going to put a lot of pressure on them. And I thought Tua made a, a couple of a really head-scratching plays. It wasn't just like the physical abilities. There yeah. was like decision-makings that kept, kept, uh, kept up last week. I think it's going to be an issue for Tua again here. But the one thing is just like the Saints defense is so aggressive in the secondary. Like it is a kind of a defense where if they miss one tackle, all of a sudden Jalen Waddle's running like crazy. But I think the, the expectations have to be really low. They're projected for like uh, fewer than 18 points this week. Um, so I guess it's really just Kasicki, like as a fringe tight end one. Uh, I think that uh, Jenkins is out, so at least that matchup gets a little bit easier, but still really tough matchup historically against the Saints for tight ends. And then I think it's just going to be Jalen Waddle, like just get him the ball and see what they can do. I think that do not chase the Duke Johnson stuff. I'm not even positive he's going to no. be the starter. I would guess he is because he provides a little more thump than Gaskin. But like Philip Lindsay's probably coming back. Gaskin's probably going to at least practice and not have COVID symptoms here. So I would stay away, especially in this matchup 
I mean, going back to the chart, you're talking, say, find the teams on the upright, teams on the bottom <laughs> left. I can point you to the Dolphins and the Saints here. Jalen Waddle's the key to everything. He really is yes. the key to everything here. And uh, he's been fun. He's been really, really fun to watch. And I don't think we've seen the ceiling for him yet because it was mainly just against the Panthers. The only time he really got to, like, let his gate go and – sprint down the field with the ball in his hands. And that's something that Alabama that we saw all the time. We've only seen it a handful of times so far during his rookie season. Okay. That's going to do it for us. I really like this Friday show. I feel like so much more prepared than I did on Thursdays. Hopefully everyone comes back here on every Friday for the rest of regular season to get these final looks. A lot of people do first looks. This is your final look at the week 16. We're in a corner of that market before you get out of here again. It is a big holiday weekend. The best thing you can do is turn $10 into $500 on Pick'em. Go compensate yourself for all the Christmas gifts you bought for everyone else. Do that by going to the odds boost on Pick'em. You have to include Josh Allen on your pick five, his total yards. You can either go over or under. It doesn't matter which one. But have that in your pick five. The most you can put into that pick em slip is $10. But again, that boosts it from 20x to 50x. You can only use this one time here and include Josh Allen with that odds boost. Hit all five and boom, $500 is in your underdog pick em wallet. Um, all five players have to play. So like if COVID something happens, so you might want to save that until Sunday morning or go and do it and include the Saturday games as well. But all five have to play or else it just turns into a 10X because that's a pick four. I think I covered everything there. I got one last note. Referral bonus. If you use your own code, it's up to $25 temporarily. If you got friends, if you like your uncle and you want to have an actually interesting conversation, show them the underdog app, uh, get them on there. Tell them about NFL playoffs, best ball. Tell your grandpa, tell your aunt, whoever wants to go play and stack up your favorite teams. How about that? Legit, grab their phone when you're sitting around the Christmas tree, when you're opening gifts, and say, you know what you can get me? A $25 referral bonus if I sign you up right now. If he deposits on Underdog or she, your aunt, your cousin, whoever, use promo code THE SHOW, they get that deposit match, and you get $25. Boom. How about that? That's it. Use that referral link. You can find it on your profile on Underdog and send that over to them, and and you get $25 referral bonus. Okay. Let's get out of here. Thank you, Run the Bases, Scampers, Tony, MSH, Alpha Omega, Derek. I truly hope, Beans, all of you have a wonderful, wonderful holiday weekend. We'll be back here on Sunday for our Start Sit Show, Preview Show, Pick 'em Line Show, and all that good stuff. All right. Hey, I hope you have a great time too. Tell, you too, man. Tell your wonderful mother I say hello. All right. <laughs> our number one fan. Yeah, enjoy the family, everybody. Um, happy holidays. We'll see you on Sunday. Yeah, I don't know about our number one fan. She's my number one fan. That's for sure. It's All true. right. <laughs> She's for on Hayden. the underdog app playing. To, I'm going to get her on the Josh Allen overs and unders too. She's on there. For Hayden, I'm Josh. Up the Villa, everyone. Talk to you all soon. See ya. <laughs>